Heritage Minutia is recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Wallastigwell and the Mi'kmaq. Vikings. These historic Norse people, who have inspired everything from a show on the History Channel to Minnesota's NFL team, remain a relevant cultural touchstone in today's media. And despite the fact that the Viking Age ended nearly 1,000 years ago, their iconography remains especially strong in the Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador, where around the year 1000, famous Viking Leif Erikson came to call. But it wasn't all cone bras and horned helmets for these Vikings. This week on Heritage Minutia, what's up with Vikings in Canada? because you didn't tell me that we were supposed to be doing a podcast this morning we are recording early as you can hear our guest who i'll introduce in a moment is laughing because um she has two children so she's like um i'm halfway through my day so i don't know what you guys are i've been up for hours (laughs) you didn't tell me that the person we were recording with had kids otherwise i would have been not out i would have been up and early yes it is a cozy um Saturday morning here on this leap day of February. We got a bonus day. So, of course, a good day to get some work done. It's been an exciting week for the podcast, Gigi. Oh, very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) We were contacted by Historica Canada just to make sure everybody's on the same page about the podcast. In the end, everything is Gucci. Everything is good. We are super happy to be moving ahead with their blessing and we're really hoping that we can do some more work with them in the future but for right now heritage minutia remains an independent fan podcast for entertainment purposes we're going to go through every heritage minute as we said we are going to help Gigi on her journey to immigration and her journey to canadian citizenship uh like citizenship said, i'm not doing a citizenship <laughs> just to stay here we'll start with immigration mm-hmm. and we'll think about citizenship in the future yep exactly <laughs> speaking of how is your express entry application going why do you have to bring this up? It's stressing <laughs> me out. It's making me like freaking cry. I don't want to talk about it. The website was down this week. Is Gigi had an afternoon set aside to get it done. And then the website was down. So it's a bit of a sore spot in our household right now. But you know what? We're moving ahead. We're pushing forward. Just to um, let you know that I have uh, six days to uh, submit the application or else I have to start all over again. Oh, so, you're going to do fine. I'm here to help. I don't know if um, they're wanting me here. Oh, of course they want you here. (laughs) (laughs) But as um, a gold star segue, there were some people who came to Canada who were not wanted here. (laughs) (laughs) And those people would be the Vikings. This week, we are covering the Heritage Minute Vikings. And for a little bit of help and a little bit of context, we have a guest this week. She is a fellow Girl Guide leader, she is a public librarian, and she is a Newfoundlander. Welcome, Amanda Sardi. Thank you. I'm I'm really happy to be here. I love talking about Newfoundland because I am, as Jenna knows, a conflicted Newfoundlander. Mm -hmm. I always say I'm the one Newfoundlander who doesn't want to go back home. (laughs) So I don't know if we have time to unpack all of that. But no, I'm happy to be here to talk about the Vikings, because as you can imagine, growing up in Newfoundland, I heard a lot about them. Yeah, that was actually my first question. Like, growing up on the mainland, I don't really remember learning about the Vikings until I got older. Like in high school, you could take world history like as an elective. And then we talked a little bit about it. But I'm sure that your like social studies slash history education was very like Viking (laughs) It was very Viking centric and it was also kind of Beothic centric, which I do want to talk about when we get into that a little bit later. I have a note about the Beothics later. Yeah, Yeah. but um, every school I went through to when I was growing up had the Saxons or the Vikings as the team name. 
Interesting. Yeah. So I was a Beaconsfield Saxon or a, <laughs> what was it like the Booth Vikings or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it was really very much adopted in Newfoundland mm-hmm. um, as like, hey, check us out. We're like hard scrabble, mighty people. Mm-hmm. Although hilariously enough, the Vikings had left Newfoundland long before the current population had settled there. So yeah. it's not like we can draw any blood ties. So yeah. If, if I hear Vikings, I'm thinking like pretty cool, like freaking cool oh, yeah. dreads. Like, well, like, that's how, that's how t- it was like presented Nos, to us. Was it Nosgard? Nos, yeah. Nos, yeah. Nos tattoos and just like oh, yeah. have all those like done and be like in high school just be thinking if I was one of those people I would have been like a Viking through <laughs> and through even though I didn't know the culture or anything I would have been just be like Viking okay cool this is what I'm coming as at. no yeah. for games it would be pretty cool but did you learn about Vikings at all? no I did not no you didn't? No, not we at did all? Not. We, no we did not do um, that part of Europe okay yeah yeah because no. I know that like if you learn about Vikings um, and you went to like a British school it's like quite a different Story. Oh, they don't talk about Vikings at all. Yeah, I yeah. would love to see more about that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in a way is like the way different Canadians in different parts of the countries have like the history of Canada presented to them mm-hmm. as children. Because I was like, when I learned about the World Wars, it was all Beaumont Hamill. Yeah. When yeah. I learned about like Canadian history, like the only thing that was really in depth covered mm-hmm. was uh, the Confederation with Canada. Yeah. And no big surprise, that wasn't always covered in like the most positive light. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, it was very Newfoundland centric mm-hmm. where I grew up. Like it was pretty much everything was focused around like directly attached to Newfoundland. Like how yeah. how can we tie this back to like this rock that mm-hmm. we live on in the yeah. middle of the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas here in New Brunswick, it was like very Confederation centric. Like obviously we were one of the like early players in Confederation and Prince Edward Island is just next door. Yeah, low-key mind-blown when I found out that mainlanders had a different definition of Confederation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it goes long before 1949. Yeah. <laughs> AKA when Newfoundland joined Canada. But um, yeah, it was very, very like centered on lower Canada, not upper Canada, mm-hmm. which for the uninitiated is like Quebec, Ontario, and like farther west because i fully reject the presence of quebec as eastern canada (laughs) interesting see i I feel like i have to say that you're all mainlanders to me yes that's true yeah that's like my joke my joke that i say to people when i meet new people like here in the civil service or whatever i always say oh it doesn't matter the the french versus english thing you're all mainlanders (laughs) always gets me a good laugh but yeah our history lessons were very like loyalist focused Acadian Mm. focus even the Acadian stuff was kind of told through like rose-colored glasses like I remember oh my gosh this like locally produced trivia game that was all about it was like a um a bicentennial project out Mm. from by like one of the schools in the area but we always had this like trivia game in class and we would answer like trivia questions from it and one of the questions was literally like what is the name of the population of people that like moved away from New Brunswick and then came back and it was the Acadians. And it's like, oh, oh <laughs> we don't have time to unpack all of that. No, we don't. And thankfully, in three more episodes, we will be talking about the Acadian <laughs> deportation. So we can get into that. Yeah. But for right now, we are quite a bit earlier in history than the Acadian deportation. Definitely one, sure of the, one of the earliest heritage minutes chronologically. And that is, as I've already mentioned, Vikings. So mm-hmm. the year depicted in the minute is 980. AD mm-hmm. and then 1961 AD which is just like how often do you get to go that far back when you're talking about North American history like you go to you go to like Europe and you go to historical villages there and it's like oh this is a recreation of a home from like the year 80 and it's like oh do you mean like 1780 they're like no 80 and you're like oh, <laughs> oh interesting okay <laughs> so going all the way back to like a three-digit year is like pretty novel but here is basically what happens in the heritage minute in this mostly silent heritage minute a group of first nations people are seen attacking a viking settlement in a place now known as lonso meadows newfoundland after tending to their wounded a viking ship is seen sailing away and the settlement is slowly reclaimed by nature fast forward to 1961 when archaeologist anastina ingestad and her husband helga are seen breaking ground at the site becoming the first to definitively prove that vikings did at one time settle in north america Mm -hmm. Not much more happens nope. than that. It's 
at times feels like, and this would be partially because it's silent and partially because of all the weird like crossfade transition that they use, but so nice. It feels, I was going to say it even feels like a relic of like an older era of cinema. Interesting. That it shows like reaction shots of like, the startled, the startled Viking. Viking. Oh, like, whoa! Exactly. I was just preparing my supper. I'm getting killed. Oh, yeah. no. So what are our initial thoughts? We just watched it before we turned the mics on. I, oh, there are things about it I remembered. There are things about it that I clearly chose to forget. Yeah. The, oh, man. The, like, use of, like, superimposing shots on other shots is wild. I'm confused. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a lot of nostalgia tied up in this ad because, as I mentioned earlier, where everything in Newfoundland at the time I came up, I should qualify that. Like I grew up in Newfoundland like during the 90s. Mm -hmm. So what the culture that was presented to us, like we'd always get these commercials that were imposed over commercials during the two TV stations that I had growing up, the CBC and the NTV, Newfoundland Superstation. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. But this one was played a lot. And I remember seeing this one in between breaks in the news. I remember seeing this one at like during my after school cartoons. Mm-hmm. I remember like this is just like it was one of those things I didn't really take in at the time. Mm-hmm. But when I hear it now, it just like takes me right back yeah. to not only like watching those shows in my home, but like being in school and learning yeah. about these things. Yeah. And I think nostalgia, especially for folks of our generation, like mm-hmm. nostalgia really fuels our appreciation of these PSAs. Big yeah. Time. So, I mean, having not... <laughs> Having watched this so often, I should say, because I'm not having Gigi's reaction. Because, like, it's kind of like one of those things. I'm like, aw. (laughs) I used to see that when I was a kid. Yes. And now back to Gigi. Do you feel like you've learned anything about this story from the heritage? I do not think I have learned anything because it's just basically like just a spear. Yep. People. Yep. And someone digging into the ground. Like, Mm -hmm. I do not, like, do not get, like, the full story of, like, hey, the Vikings were here. Like I, mm-hmm. it's just him saying, hey, they've been here. <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's yeah. like, I don't understand. Like, I do not see the, yeah, no, that was not helpful at all. Okay. Not well, I luckily have prepared some notes on the history. So I'll start at the beginning. Amanda, you can assist with sure, uh, whatever you know. wondered if I should do some research for this or if I should come in with just my... Grade school Viking education, and that's what I chose to do. Okay. I did not. So that's I, what I was hoping for. Yeah, great. <laughs> so <laughs> no preparation. <laughs> the date in the Heritage Minute is the year 980, which is like kind of an approximation of when the Vikings would have been there. Obviously, it is a very long time ago, so it's hard to say like this is when they were here precisely. Okay. But the first known sighting of Newfoundland by anyone from Europe, which I I think Amanda is already eager to unpack the term Europe, but the first known sighting of Newfoundland, so just somebody looking off the side of their boat and being like, hey, what's that over there, was by, this is such a good name, Bjarni Herjolfsson. Delightful. That's what I'm going to call my kids. (laughs) So in the 980s, um, the really famous Viking Eric the Red had led a voyage to Greenland to colonize it, basically. Mm -hmm. Vikings are like you know, they're kind of like a glamorous part of history, but like, let's not, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Yep. They were colonialists, yeah. right? Yep. They were going to One, take 100%. land that was not theirs. They were? Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm <laughs> also I'm a connoisseur of the history of yeah. the TV show yeah. Vikings. Yeah. Did not. Uh, let know. me tell you. Yeah. Eric the Red was already in Greenland, like doing this, I don't know. <laughs> I always kind of picture like terraforming, but I know that's not what Colonial Yeah, is. Lord knows what he was doing in Greenland, but I, yeah, I seem so, to remember that they called it Hel- Helenland. Yes. Yeah. Helenland. Helenland. <laughs> Bjarni Herjolfsson was scheduled to go like a couple years into that journey to bring them goods. He was blown off course in the like Northern Arctic and ended up in upper, what would become like the upper waters of North America. It's not okay. like known if he actually like, landed or if he just saw it but if you or read back yeah if you he wasn't shipwrecked because he did like he was like oh, oh shit i went too far and he, and he went around. back yeah oh. but you can read like he he sees land and it was probably newfoundland I, and specifically newfoundland like probably not labrador like almost definitely newfoundland was it two yeah, different things 
Yeah, Labrador yes. is the part of the province that's on the mainland. Well, it's the same province. Like yeah. Newfoundland and Labrador are considered the same province, but the part that is attached to the mainland of Canada is Labrador. Oh. It's pretty far up north. It's okay. like the top of Quebec. Now, that being said, when I was a youngster, Newfoundland was stylized with a province to like a two-letter province as NF, but it was changed in the 2000s to NL to incorporate Labrador. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, previously, right. most people just referred to the entire thing as Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Um, it's Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, it is. Oh, no way. You know, it's cool. like you're a Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yeah. You're Turks and you're Caicos. <laughs> oh, I wish I was in you're Trinidad and Tobago right now. <laughs> and you're a Labrador. Not enjoying February, Canada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Full spring, you know? <laughs> Full spring. Yeah, yeah, that's what they call this time of year. <laughs> yeah. Basically what happens, Bjarni ends up meeting up with Eric the Red and is like, hey, I saw something. Don't know what it is, but I saw it. There was nothing there for me, so I came back. Fast forward a couple of decades. Eric the Red's son, Leif Erikson, is now like... I'm to get my conquest on. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's like, he's a man now. He's no longer a boy. And his father is like, get out there and like see what you can find for me, basically. So he is the first person who is known to have purposely traveled to try and find North America, which would have been, again, around like the 1980s, 1990s, Um, which is interesting because like we learned in school anyway that Christopher Columbus was the first person to quote, and I'm using extremely heavy quotes here, (laughs) discover America. 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 But this was like 500 years before that. And it's, it's like... And this was proven in the 1960s, so it's not like it like couldn't have been part of my education in the 1990s. But Side anyway. note, uh, growing up, I was always taught that John Cabot discovered North America oh, the in next 1497. Minute, the next Heritage Minute is about John Cabot, so oh, hold boy. on to your butts, folks. We're yeah. going to talk about that next. <laughs> His mission, Leif Erikson's mission specifically, was to colonize. Like, that's what it was for. Go, if there's land there, put down roots, and it's ours. Leif Erikson's history was kind of like an oral history. It was like, it wasn't until the year 1387 that the stories of what actually happened on those voyages was written down. But as far as we know from the saga of Greenland, which is kind of like the oldest known manuscript of like, what the fuck Leif Erikson was doing. (laughs) Yeah. um, Says that he arrived in Newfoundland and built a settlement at Lasso Meadows. It was known as Leif's Camp or Leif's with their oh beauty. <laughs> <laughs> there were like probably seasonal camps as well, but like the main place where they would have like come in off the water and had their little like sod houses <laughs> was in um Lanso Meadows, which that area now is a national historic site and a UNESCO heritage site, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They've like recreated all of the huts and things that would have been there, and you can see like King's Landing style people pretending to be like Yeah, no, I I <laughs> Have you been? I have been. Oh, um, yes. It is really great. Yeah. And I, I really like, I hate to be like fangirling over this, but it's a really great historical site to visit. Like yeah. it really is interactive and it really is like, I even remember as a kid seeing it and being like super impressed with it. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, having the Vikings talked up to me so much. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You had stars Viking in your eyes land. a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And plus you have to remember it was Newfoundland and we didn't have theme parks. So this was like... <laughs> This was like your six flags. Yeah, this is like, yeah, we're going to Los Meadows. Just wait until you grow up and then you get screeched in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're just biding your time. Just biding my time till I can get to George Street. You can go to George Street, yeah. Not a lot happened while the, like, camp was there. It was like a pretty, it was just like a normal camp. Like, people lived, people farmed, people left. But something like Amanda already alluded to, like they were not there for very long. So the Vikings were there for either a decade or less. That's it. Mm -hmm. And there are like a couple of reasons for that. But if you go back to the saga of the Greenland, which is like the the manuscript depicting his history, the like indigenous people from the area were not having it. No, they were not. Which is awesome. And which leads into like the framing of the Heritage Minute um, where, quote unquote, natives... Depicted only by like a superimposed sphere on the screen, come in and Wait, like stab that, was, that guy in cold I blood. I feel like that, that could have been a lot worse. That was supposed to be the indigenous people. No, yeah. Wait, I, I th- <sighs> mind blown. Let's like, just take a moment just... and say that could have been a lot worse, though. Like I would rather see the superimposed sphere than like 
a late 90s yeah. interpretation yeah. of what the like Beothic Julia person Roberts looked like <laughs> coming Julia in. Roberts. Yeah, like I... So, okay, so actually this, this leads into something that we're hoping will become a recurring segment, which is... If Julia Roberts was in this Heritage Minute, who would she play? And she oh. would have definitely played a First Nations person. Of course, yes. 100%. Oh. Not the sad Viking lady who, like, followed her <laughs> husband out, which is problematic in but its own again, right. But then again, she'd look the part. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, like, really. Because there was an article that came out that said Julia, Julia Roberts was supposed to play Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yes, that. So yeah. that's... Yeah, I was like, man, that just if oh, oof. so it's like she wouldn't look the part. If she if she played the Viking, she could play. At least it she's off, a white right? lady. She's yeah. a white lady, right? So it's like different. But if she had played a First Nations person, then that's uh, when it would have been like. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. Maybe she was the one who was holding the spear. Who knows? You know? Yeah, it's interesting to me that when we think of Vikings, we think of like tall blonde people. Yes. They were quite short, people. which I is read yeah, that which this is morning. Yeah. They were short. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, like if you look at the history of the Viking people, which is like a very diverse group of people who were yeah. spread throughout Europe. I mean, you have like the Rus Vikings yeah. who were like in Russia. You have like Norwegian. There's a there's a whole lot of difference there, and I mean, there was so much. When what comes with raiding, to put this as politely as I can, is intermarriage. Yeah, oh, really, yeah. right? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, I think it's like really interesting, and that we think about Vikings as like. Tall blonde. Well, also, people like, who are these? they were people from the north. So, like, mm-hmm. biologically speaking, they wouldn't have been tall because mm-hmm. that's not like a useful adaptive measure to be tall when you live in a cold climate. You want to be as close to the earth. You want to be as like <laughs> down to earth. You, you want to be down to earth. You want to be vertically challenged. Yeah, so that you can like retain a lot of heat. You yep. don't need as much food. Like it's it's true. And and the Vikings were short. They were like the average Viking was like five five. Yeah. So pretty interesting. Yes, going back again to these First Nations people, the nation is not named, mm-hmm. but we do know that there were like three nations who have traditional territory on Newfoundland, being the Beothaks, who like are no longer in existence, mm-hmm. the Mi'kmaq, who for a long time white people have basically tried to prove that the Mi'kmaq did not have traditional territory on Newfoundland, which is straight up a lie. Straight just up a lie. lie. It's just straight <laughs> like, up just not true. I'm even looking at the historical record, record as written by like colonialists, colonialists, mm-hmm. and like that's proven to be a lie. And um, the Innu. So there is overlap with like the Inuit people who would come over on like ice bridges to move to like yep. their warmer hunting yep. territories. So Inuit, Mi'kmaq, and, and Beothuk. 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 However, oh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yes. The Newfoundland way is biotic, which biotic. is not biotic. remotely correct. So I yes. probably shouldn't even put that in your mind. <laughs> well, but. I took French immersion, so it was biotic. Was biotic. how we always said wow. it. Yeah, and just because I mean, took my, French immersion. Oh my no, no. no. <laughs> biotic. Biotic. The my um the way that we were taught, and it's interesting that it wasn't recognized because I remember being taught that mm-hmm. the Mi'kmaq had traditional hunting grounds in the south of the province. Yeah, where the Beothic were up in the northern part, and then the Inu Inuit would be in Labrador. Yeah, but of course, as you say, they would cross down. Yeah, into the like northern part of the island, or. Like their warmer hunting grounds. Yeah. Because it mean, probably you... wasn't a wise move having been in the northern part of the <laughs> province. But but like if you look at where Lonzo Meadows is located, it's like it almost touches it Labrador. Does. It does. Like that northern, northern tip of Newfoundland. Um, it comes like very, very close. And there are ice bridges. Yeah. Like even today, yeah. there are ice bridges that people cross. Yeah. Like yeah. back and forth between there. So mm-hmm. Yep. If you say ice bridges, you mean like Anna and Elsa ice bridge or is just a regular <laughs> like bridge? Ice road truckers ice like bridge. ice road truckers ice bridge. Like the, the strait between Newfoundland and Labrador would free, freezes. Freeze over. And then oh, they're able to okay. like, yeah. I thought it was like Anna and Elsa, like no. kind of thing, well, like a deal, like where it's like, just like an ice bridge over. Well, I, I don't watch Anna and Elsa every second, <laughs> so I can't. Although it's really interesting that you bring her up because um, mm. she's definitely inspired by the Norse legend of Scott. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I... Which even, would have been like Hans Christian Andersen's original inspiration. Yeah. yeah. So Scotty being the uh, North giantess or goddess, depending on who you were talking to, mm-hmm. of winter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I even... There's definitely some old people in Newfoundland who would tell you to watch out for Scotty. Oh, that's so cool. When you were out in the Love winter. That. Yeah. Love that. Those would have been... Probably the Beothucks would be the people who, in this case, were like fighting the... 
<laughs> I don't say, yeah, I don't say that definitively, in. yes. But I mean, that is my understanding. Yeah, that would be my like, just like based on like where we know the nations sit. Like that's just what makes mm-hmm. the most sense. So yeah, as I mentioned, the Vikings really only stayed there for like a decade. Carbon dating places, artifacts that the like Ingestads found at around the year 1000. So that would be like right on par with this timeline mm-hmm. that they were there in the 1980s. Why did they leave? Is that anything you learned about in school? <sighs> Do you I know have what? a little bit of research about it, but I'm curious if you learned why they left. Well, it was very much presented as an enduring mystery to us. <laughs> the enduring mystery of why the Vikings left. It's funny. I thinking about this too is like had to make me wrestle a little bit about what I learned about the Beothic yeah. growing up and whether or not that could be <laughs> interpreted as accurate or yeah. not. Yeah. But I mean, it would always be presented to us. Like I remember my third grade teacher specifically saying like, we don't know why they left, but it was probably the Beothic. Yes. Yeah. And that's so. what my research has proven as well. Okay. So, I mean, that's kind of the basic story of the Vikings and Newfoundland. As far as the heritage minute goes, um let's talk first about what they got right so one thing that they definitely nailed was the depiction of the vikings as we've already kind of talked about a little bit so like in the show vikings and in like the idea of like these kind of norse operas you always see like the lady with like the weird cone bra (laughs) and the big braids (laughs) and then the helmet that has the horns like all of that is just for show like they didn't wear these big horned hats but they did wear these no they didn't they didn't. Yeah. I mean, I think if if anything can be taken as accurate, there would be the braiding. Like, I think yeah. that yeah. when they seen is like they did have elaborate braided yes. hairstyles. But yeah. beyond that. Yeah. But they they did wear these like simple leather cone hats. I'm not talking for those listening. It's not like a dunce cap. It's just like a little kind of low toque style hat, yeah. um, which obviously like inspired the shape of hat that you see in media. But like yeah. in this they like nail it the way that the vikings look the way that they're dressed is like as far as anybody knows based on the historical record accurate yeah it's right yeah so that's pretty cool the other thing that they got right (laughs) and there's like there are caveats with this Mm -hmm. so basically the vikings that came to newfoundland were not the like pillaging plundering vikings again that like media depicts So between the year 800 and 1000, there was a lot of like political unrest in Norse society and like the very active like groups of Norse people were these like really violent Vikings who were Mm -hmm. taking things by like way of force. And a lot of people in Norse society actually didn't agree with that. And so as Amanda already alluded to, you have these pockets of Norse people all over the world because the people who didn't agree with it left. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, they were like a very peaceful, tranquil agricultural people and so when all of this kind of started happening and there was a lot of unrest in the society a lot of people were like we're leaving like we don't want it we don't want any part of this anymore this is not what we are about and so not to diminish the fact that like their solution to this was colonialism yeah but, like that's yeah. really what eric the red was doing right yeah. and that's what his son leaf erickson and like a few generations of vikings after that were doing they were just they just wanted to like get back to they're like salt of the earth roots and just like farm and mind their own damn business. Yep. Basically. Which is like, I feel like I need to make a point about my earlier point where I was like, <laughs> I, have, I have problems with them calling or referring to them as the first Europeans. Yes. Yeah. That because, you know, European is a modern concept yeah. and we are so far before like the modern concept of yeah. European. I think that like referring to them as the Norse people is yes. like a more correct way yeah. of saying yeah so yeah because like obviously like saying that they were like the first people in newfoundland it's like well no no. (laughs) well yeah and i think before it was called newfoundland it was before it was called something else and before that it was called called something something else else. and yeah i think that we all had that education that was like the first person to discover x was this white person yes exactly and i mean for better or for worse mostly for worse the vikings are definitely referred to as a white people yes who came to north america yes so yeah and I do say I will like applaud um, Historica through like their Heritage Minutes program and through the Canadian Encyclopedia, which they run. They're, they're always very careful to say that they are like the Norse people and like yeah. they visited what would become North America. And they don't use the word discovered. They say like they visited or like they settled there. But mm-hmm. so I, I think that like the language they use is very tactful. And I really appreciate that because like none of these people discovered shit. Yeah, really. Like 
Yeah. Gigi's over there minding her own business. But 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 they're so careful about how white people. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was my point, right? Like yeah. we're always like, check out this white guy mm-hmm. who came over. Like even mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll get into this next one, but John Cabot using that like that they use the anglicized version of this Italian's name yeah. to well, make him sound more Columbus. white. Right? Yeah. Like, I can't wait to learn about this guy. He sounds so <laughs> interesting. He's a, he's a treat. <laughs> oh, in the John Cabot Heritage Minute, we get to talk about the cod too, which is like, how can you talk about Newfoundland and not the uh, cod? I almost feel like I need to come back to that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one where they look down and they realize they're not on the water anymore. They're, they're just, just on, on the cod. fish. <laughs> mm. We'll get to that um, on the next episode. Mm. But yeah, so I, I think that like, the way that the actors were like dressed and the way that the village was portrayed as like very pastoral, like that's accurate. Yeah. So I would agree. So what they got wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Um, boy. We already talked about the use of like the spear native attacks on the village. And like, again, this, this, this minute is like 30 years old, but I do think, you know, what would we change if we were making this today? It would say like first nations people, defended their land or it would name yeah. the specific it would name the specific nation i mean we talked a lot in the previous episode about peacemaker about like the parallels between um like this iroquois story of peace and what's happening today in wet'suwet'en with the land defenders like this episode does really fall into the trap of depicting first nations people as savages yeah um, it really does which doesn't do the history any favor because again they were just they were land defenders and yeah. i think that like I was alluding to earlier as to reasons why the Vikings left is like the people who already lived there made it really clear that they weren't welcome. Yeah. And like, like good on the Vikings for just being like, okay, well then there's nothing here for us and leaving. You know what I mean? And I think just summing that conflict up with like violence with a spear, a (laughs) superimposed spear, like literally not a person. They're literally just depicted as like, tools of war like, i know but- and you can really like i can almost see how they got there in the sense that they're like oh we can't depict yeah an indigenous person here yeah. because it people will can't like it's almost like a they realization that. that they, they didn't, didn't look like that yeah, like, yeah. they felt like they but- couldn't do it but by doing that then they just completely erased their identity yeah by yeah. then like- taking them like out it's like it's like they're actors and they're not people who yes. are like this is a group of people who had interactions with another group of people. And yeah. that is a part of our heritage. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? It's not the the spear that comes out of nowhere, like the haunted spear that floats into the Viking camp <laughs> yeah. and stabs poor Leaf while he's trying to make his dinner. Yeah. And like truly, like as a last resort, right? Like I, I like to think, I like to think in my heart that there would have been like attempts at peaceful negotiation before that. And that this was like the straw that broke the camel's back that they should have, they see, should have sent put the that ghostly in there. figures they should have, of the Vikings if, if there was a peaceful negotiation, because it's like, we just watched the peacemaker, yes. right? Where they yeah. were talking about how we should have peace, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, we should not have war anymore. And I feel like they should have um, put that, was there peaceful negotiation first, right? You yeah. know what you were saying? But it's just like, they just cut to like, oh, they were killed by, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's just like, it's just, no, it's not telling the clear story. Like, what happened? Yeah, really? Like, a problem with it, too, is that there's so little remaining of the Beothic yeah, people. Yeah. And like, they, they, it can only go on fact, Exactly. Right? And, fact and I mean, that... if, if we're accepting as fact that the reason the Vikings left Newfoundland is because they weren't welcomed yeah. by the Beothic people. Then I mean, there's nowhere if we're working on the basis of fact to say, well, we can we can hypothesize, and I like to think that too in my heart. Yeah, but I mean, we don't have a side of the story here. Yeah, all we exactly. have is like the saga of Vinland, which yeah, I guess we could talk about whether or not Newfoundland <laughs> is Vinland or not, which yeah. is another of the enduring mysteries. Mm-hmm. But it's it. I think that the story suffers here because we yeah. don't we're yeah. missing a side of the story that is integral yes to this and yeah. even like leif erickson's story wasn't written down until 400 years later yeah and it was like, by that it was a myth like a mythologized saga yes exactly yeah. yeah and like obviously there's something to be said for like the validity of oral history but there's also something to be said for like it's yeah. the mythology it's the mythology of the people who had the upper hand in this situation so like what aspects of that story got romanticized by the people who were like, Leif Erikson was a hero and like the exactly. indigenous people were mean to him. So he had to leave. Exactly. Like, and I mean, 
I really, I really wish there was more, not just of this, of the Beothic people. So we could, yes. Cause there's just so little of them remaining, which is like a real shame. Yes. It's a real shame. Cause yeah. I grew up with all of this Newfoundland history and it's just this large gap that exists there that we can't, or we won't talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that in Canada recently with the discovery of like the Franklin and mm. the Franklin expedition and the terror that we've learned that the oral history of the indigenous people has real value. Yes. hundred percent. To the like history of Canada today. And the fact that we're missing that indigenous oral history in that area, like we're, I think that the scholarship around it will continue to suffer for that reason. Yeah, I think so. And, but, and like, we always learned in school that like the Bay Ethics were no more that like they listen, and, I like, can tell you that. <laughs> and like, they are no more. Yeah. Don't ask why. Yeah. <laughs> but also um, like smallpox <laughs> who wrought that like who made the remember like when we talked about the peacemaker yeah. who made the video yeah. like who did the yeah well at least the whole in, thing in, in this it, case did they get uh help from someone who knew what happened in newfoundland oh mm -hmm. did they just go about with the facts that been changed over by in history you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and that's another that's an issue that we like uncovered with peacemaker and that we will like continue to fight against probably um when it comes to these heritage minutes is like they're considered institutional knowledge so there's no one person who is like named as being responsible for their creation which is like again amanda as you know you already mentioned you work <laughs> in the provincial government nothing that you create is yours no right? I and mean, i know you you write manuals but Nowhere does it say that, like, oh, yeah. authored by Amanda Sardi, right? It's just... That's probably a, for the best. <laughs> it's just, like, a document... You don't get blamed for anything. Yeah, really. <laughs> but, like, it's true. Like, even if you're the person who puts pen to paper. So, like, part of my job is to create these big, wide-ranging documents. Even if you're the person who puts pen to paper, it's not your original work in the sense that so many people have been consulted and so much work comes yeah. into it. So I can imagine the same thing is happening here. Yes, 100%. And, I mean, I'm really... I, I have no doubt that they consulted the scholarship of the time yeah because i mean so. that's that's evidence through the way that the vikings are dressed and exactly. like through the way that like the the set is and i'm sure that the set was just filmed at lawson meadows but. <laughs> well i mean they had the advantage there yes. because this like the land existed for them yeah. to film it on and yeah. it was already set up as a historical yeah. village yeah so. but um i think the the like other part of that and that's kind of the double-edged sword of scholarship is like you can't make inferences just because you have a gut feeling. Exactly. Right? And that's, that's what. So like my yeah. gut feeling is that action taken by the indigenous people to defend their land is what caused the Vikings to leave. We don't know that. No, I really want it to be true. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And it's like, again, back to my point of like, we're suffering for the lack of history yes. that we know, like about the people who lived there. Yeah. Who were there long before anybody else got there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm really happy to see oral history re-entering the conversation as like like a valid source of myself as well history. And yeah. I think that like I don't think they need oral history anymore. They got TikTok, they got YouTube, <laughs> they got like everything else. Well, I mean, if you come here, we're in the, we are in like an yeah, unprecedented an era today of like, of, like everyone of is oral like, history. Yes, 100%. everyone is like phone. They're recording everything, right? Exactly. So now you're gonna be 100 percent know like okay, this is what happened, but. Mm -hmm. It could be edited. It could be like taken mm -hmm. out of context of what's Which going on. Which is like on, the same right? as oral history. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. So, I mean, I think yeah. you're 100% right, Gigi. So, yeah, I mean, we are seeing this changing attitude around oral history and around like people recognizing that it's a legitimate source of information. But I think, like, as with what has happened here, the challenge going forward is going to be archiving it. Right. Yes. So, even things like, uh, like I, we're talking about like, TikTok and like Snapchats and YouTube and all of these things contributing to our oral history, which like they absolutely definitively mm -hmm. do. But what is the guarantee that we will still be able to access that material in like 10, 20, 30 years, right? It's like the classic question facing archives all the time. How do we effectively save something in the format that it was created? And like with oral history, all you have is storytelling. Right. And like with YouTube, like YouTube better still be up in like 30 years or but, how are we going to get to it? But still, it's like if you watch like future movies, whatever they call them, mm -hmm. like futuristic movies where they have like, I think they'll be able to archive it. That, I, that's what I think. Because like it's like 
they're gonna learn from the past hopefully mm-hmm. they do not repeat the past yeah and like they're gonna learn from it in a way they can like archive it so that people know what has happened yeah right and yeah the, the biggest challenge with archives is just the, the kind of gold standard for archives is that it should be saved in the format it was created in so if it's yeah if, yeah if you're saving a diary you don't just rip out the pages you want you save the diary the thing, yeah. right but like with technology things are moving so quickly that like archives that have floppy disks are having a hard time like accessing that information because where do you buy a floppy disk reader, reader? Says, yeah. <laughs> so i think it's also important we can't ignore the fact that culture is moving so quickly now the way that the internet is working like we we pick things up and we discard them so quickly yeah you can't deny as well that there are people who have definitely had problems with the permanence of the internet which mm-hmm. is kind of antithetical to how we think about the yeah. internet and like oral storytelling mm-hmm. is that you think okay it's handed down and it gets changed but i mean when you put something on the internet as i'm sure we've all heard it's there forever mm-hmm. yeah but is it but is it <laughs> it's just it's really it's, i tried to find really an old blog times. spot the other day and, and did I you find it no really so it's what like we trying it, to find my old blog your blog. Gigi's like, called? give me 10 minutes in a computer. <laughs> I was going to say, what is it called? I'll read it out loud right now. <laughs> but um, we think that they're there forever, but like it might be there, but like, can you find it is the the other issue, right? Maybe that it's archived for the future, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Like my, I mean, to, not, my ramblings are probably like stored <laughs> away in Parliament somewhere. Not to be like flippant about it too, but... Uh, I feel like I have to say this is just shows the importance of like archivists and librarians yes. going forward, like being yeah. able to parse the information and like save the information because things are moving so quickly now. I know yeah. it's a challenge, but I mean, if we get back to like the Viking thing, you can see where we've suffered. Yes. Where we haven't had access to that oral history. Mm-hmm. So can we learn from the lesson of the past that way? And going forward, we're able to make more accurate things like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That because- are really like, as I know I was saying to you before we even began that the whole idea of the heritage minute is it's just packaged neatly to be shared on social media. Yes. And that's like one of their challenge of it, right? It's one mm-hmm. minute long. Exactly. But like in one th- in another 1000 years, if we're like lucky enough <laughs> to still exist as a species, still be doing this podcast, sure? <laughs> what will the story of what's be? Will it be what, yeah will it be what's recorded by the government of Canada? Because if it's what's recorded by the government of Canada, it's basically Justin Trudeau telling a bunch of people to stop throwing a fit, no, right? I, Which is not the history. So it, 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 also, it also opens up that question of like, what are archivists told is important to save? Because that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing, right? If saving something is outside the scope of where you work, it's not going to get saved. Yep. So, but I mean, I you think, always hear about those rogue archivists yes. who are saving. Like, no, I, I the, mean, that I know it's kind of like funny, about residential schools. That's why exactly. we know about residential like, schools. And that is, was exactly I, what I was trying to get to was the fact that an archivist was told to throw it a bunch and they of stuff. Do it. And when they read it, they realized that it blew everything to do with like the 60s scoop and residential schools wild, wide open. And now we have the Truth and Reconciliation Commission because of that. Yeah. But then again, back in the days, it was like just so different from now where mm. it's now it's like. Even if you, you're going to Google, I cannot say the name, <laughs> but um, you can Google that, like what's going on. And, what, Sowetan? Yes. Yeah. You can Google that and you can, you're going to get different opinions mm-hmm. all over. And then mm-hmm. like I just watched a video where one guy was like, because I think they're setting up blockades. Yes. Some places. And one Lots guy places, was like, yeah. and one guy was like, I'm for it. But also at the same time. You're not like it's like you know what I mean. Like there's so many different takes of, yeah. of how people are feeling about it, and yeah. of which I don't think even if they archive it and whatever, like mm-hmm. even they do it, and then and we're living in an age where it's like they're gonna like uh contest and say mm-hmm. this is wrong. Yeah, this yeah. is not what happened, but this is what happened. Mm-hmm. So but will there be anyone a, to contest in another thousand years? That's my thousand, point, right? I think there is, because if the generations... I, hope, I really hope. There's internet now, like, if, if you look, even, like, at the freaking Make America Great Again, mm-hmm. there's... I think that it's going to be talked about for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Even, like, this protests, Like, it's... We're in that, that decade where it's, like, everyone is speaking up their mind everyone mm-hmm. is like something goes wrong they're gonna be like mm-hmm. this is it we're not yeah you I know think what one i mean of the, like, yeah one of the great things about the internet is that it's definitely removed some of the privilege 
yes. around the narratives, yeah. like in society and around like who gets to tell the stories. Because before it's like certain people who have access to writing in a newspaper or each at a university or something and they can write a book and then, OK, this is it. But well, I mean, it wasn't, scholars- it wasn't that long ago yeah. that like First Nations people weren't even allowed to file their own census data. A priest had to do it for them. I know. That was like 150 years ago. And like the grand timeline, that's like nothing where they didn't even have access to their own information or like agency over their own information about themselves. Yeah. I like think it's your name it's and age, all that, you have, you know? right? Yeah. So. And acknowledge that the fact that they're still governed by the Indian Act yeah. in, you know, <laughs> the year of our Lord, 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's really, yeah. So it's important to acknowledge that. Like, to, I mean, it's fine for us to sit here and say that. Oh, the privilege of storytelling has been erased, certainly. And now everyone has a voice at the table. But as Jenna, as you said, like, if we're not keeping record of that, like, how do these things get passed down? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yes, it is. So, Gigi. Yes. Time for your exam question. <sighs> I didn't know there was going to be an exam. <laughs> Who is the focus of this Heritage Minute? What people? Vikings. Good. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Rightly or wrongly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what year is depicted? Something before AD. Was it? Was it? Nineteen sixty one. Nineteen sixty one is depicted at the end. That's correct. The year nine eighty AD. Which I will say, my Google Doc kept suggesting that I switch it to nineteen eighty, and I was like, Oh no no, please don't. We're going way back. We're going way back to uh, nine eighty. What's the lesson? We can learn from the Vikings. From the Vikings? Yes, in this minute. In this minute. Yes, and based on our conversation. Walk away? Perfect. Could not have said it better myself. (laughs) One more closing thought that we never got to. In the minute, they say, Helga Ingestad and his wife, Anastina Ingestad. Yes. I take issue with that. And here's why. She was the archaeologist. Yes. So in my synopsis, I made the point to say archaeologist Anastina Ingesad and her husband Helga, because her husband Helga can suck my toe. I mean, Jesus he was definitely Christ. important and part of it, but she was the archaeologist. So name her first. I This is kind of a moment I wish that we had somebody who was involved in the creation of this minute to talk to, because my lasting question with this one having like all the history and all that is are the instead supposed to be the focus of this heritage minute is the Mm. heritage minute supposed to be these two archaeologists discovered that the first viking settlement in north america was in newfoundland or is the focus supposed to be hey the vikings were here like i think it's the the first i think it's the first because that's the beat they end on and that's up until that point, they hadn't given anybody in this a voice, right? True. Yep. Literally, the Vikings and the First Nations people don't get to speak for themselves at all. Mm-hmm. The first people who speak, well, the only, actually, the only person who speaks in the minute is Helga, not even the archaeologist. It was his wife's work. Yes. And then the voiceover at the end is about Anna and Helga. It's not about the Vikings, the Vikings or the yeah. First Nations people at all. So I think that that is like a very astute observation. And like, that's the history they're telling. Yep. Right. Is that like, thank God these people from Norway came in the 1960s. <laughs> and that also it goes back to our conversation about like lending legitimacy to oral history, because spoiler alert, everybody already knew the Vikings were there. Yep. Like they weren't even the first people to publish. They were the first people to prove it, but they weren't the first people to like publish or talk about or tell stories about the Vikings being yeah. in Newfoundland. So come in right at the end with that white savior piece. <laughs> I know. And I mean, I, I, I didn't, sorry to bring that up, but no, I no, didn't, no. I didn't want to let that pass. Ooh, without save like, you. Yeah. Like I, I felt like we had to say something yes. about that because that's, that's really an interesting note to end on. Yes. In and a, I, in a heritage minute that's chock full of interesting decisions. Yes. I would say that that's an interesting one to yeah. end on. And I think going back to the idea of like, what would we change if we made, we made it today? I think that like, even the folks at Historica, like, I don't want to speak for them, mm-hmm. but I think that like, based on the new minutes they have been creating over the past like five or six years, I think they would change the framing. I think so too. Like First Nations and Viking centric. And that like Helga and Anna coming along in the 1960s would be like an interesting like epilogue to the story. Um, but like that they're not the story. I would have liked to see them 
at a different part, not just the first spade into the ground. Because yeah. I there is no part of me that believes that one spade into the ground is what provided the proof. Yeah. Like there was a lot of work and it wasn't just the two of them in a field. Yeah. In Lonsa Meadows. Like I would have liked yeah. to see that framed more in the middle of the archaeological expedition. Yeah. I mean, their daughter was also a key player, right? In the archaeology. And it was actually like Helga and his daughter who like kind of made the first they did make the first visit to the site, mm-hmm. um, but nothing was like confirmed until Anna came along and was like, with my bomb ass archaeology skills, <laughs> I can tell you that this is true. Yeah. See, that's so, what I, that's what I would have liked to see. Yeah. At yeah. the end of like the frame. It was a it, long process. Yeah. And it's to, an important thing to say yeah. that, you know, people came along and we, we proved this because I mean, you know, the scientific method, very important yeah. and whatnot, <laughs> but uh, I would have liked to see. It framed differently. So I, I hope that if they had remade this one today, they would have framed the ending of that a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, just and I, I think they old Helga and his have. gardening spade. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> where he's like in a part of the Caribbean, Caribbean movie. Like that's what it feels like. He puts the shovel in the ground and you hear that thunk. Like. Oh, there's gold. Listen, I have gardened in Newfoundland. That was a rock. <laughs> the soil there is famously... Is famously shallow well, and rocky. The rock, right? So, so I mean, when you're seeing things like this, like no Newfoundlander would not look at that and laugh. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like it, yeah. it sets up kind of a little in joke for us as a people. So thank you. That's Meredith Canada. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and thank sharing you. your expertise and your. I wouldn't even talk about the CGI. And... Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a very '90s thing. The the. I don't even know what you'd call that, like the the placeholder. It reminds me of like the Christmas Carol movie when like the ghost of (laughs) Christmas past shows up and it's just like ghost-like. It is very very ghost-like. You should have seen the peacemaker one. Yeah, there's some there's a CG demon that uh, we'll call Julia Roberts. (laughs) Is that Julia Roberts? We we cast Julia Roberts as the demon in that one. Well, I love that. Spoiler (laughs) alert: next week she's going to be a cod. Oh, jeez, she's going to be the cod fish. So yes, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having Sharing me. I really enjoyed it. We had a good growing time. Up in Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Where can people find, find you online you. to tell you that they either agree and or cri- disagree cri- with you? And crip cri- <laughs> on you, you know? You can find me on Twitter um, at Amanda Foote, F-O-O-T-E. That is my maiden name. <laughs> and I did not change it when I got married, despite changing my real name. She also because just changed her voicemail message. Women. No, I have not. Empowerment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's a topic for another podcast at yeah. another time. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Amanda Foote, F-O-O-T-E, all one word. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tune in next week when we return to Newfoundland. Oh, and you're not going to look ask at- me? <laughs> Where are you going to find me? The Mother Cod. Wow. <laughs> Bye. All right, for all y'all ladies out there, you can find me on Tinder. Just so you know. Heritage Minutia is hosted by Jenna Noor and Chita Chashe Madani. It's produced by Adam Ganong. It's edited by Jenna Noor, and the theme music is by Adam Ganong. Special thanks to this week's guest, Amanda Sardi. Sources for this week's episode include The Heritage Minute Vikings by Historica Canada, the Canadian Encyclopedia entries about Leif Erikson, Norse Voyages, and Lonso Meadows, Parks Canada, and The Norse in the North Atlantic, an article from Heritage Newfoundland and Labrador.